The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate alchemy with Colm Holland, who has written a book, The Secret of the Alchemist, about his amazing and transformative experience with the book, The Alchemist, by uh, Paolo Coelho, which most of us have, have probably already read. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already someone who enjoys this book very much. Um, the Secret of the Alchemist is, again, a new book that shows how to overcome the fears that stop you from reaching your dream, to find the true empowerment to take full control of your destiny, and to use magical steps of personal transformation to perform miracles, as well as to harness love to turn your greatest weakness into your most powerful strength. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's it's such a pleasure to connect with you. Hi, Christy. Hi, everybody. Lovely to be with you. Lovely. And so you had your own experience with, with this book, The Alchemist. Okay. Yes, I do. If you've got time for a quick story, I'll tell you a quick story. Please, love stories. <laughs> so I need to, we need to go back in time. Once upon a time, in the year 1993, for those of you that were born before 1993, you'll remember it. Um, congratulations to those who weren't born in 1993 or before. Um, you're much younger than we are. Um, but Paolo Kahlo, who wrote the book, The Alchemist, and I've got a copy of it here. This is, for those of you who've seen that, this is my original one, looking a bit battered now over the years. So 27 years ago, um, Paolo Kahlo was unheard of. Um, he was, he's a, a Brazilian author. Uh, he speaks Portuguese. He wrote in Portuguese. The book had been published twice in Brazil. It was a complete failure the first time. The second time around, it did quite well. And the company I worked for, the publishing company called HarperCollins, um, decided they were going to publish it in, in English. So it was translated not by Paolo, but by somebody else. And I was in charge of um, the books that were coming into Australia from the rest of the company. And it was a late on a Friday afternoon in the days before the internet, remember those? Um, a pile of manuscripts arrived in the post and the post guy dropped it on my desk and I thought, oh, shall I? Open? Oh, go on, I'll open it. And I was almost ready to go home. So I opened it and there was this amazing cover that I just couldn't resist. You should never judge a book by its cover, obviously, but I did. And it was purple. If you Google the original cover of The Alchemist, you'll see it just transformed my opinion of, of the book completely. And I thought, ooh, okay. So I broke all the rules, grabbed the manuscript, grabbed the cover, shoved it in my briefcase and took it home for the weekend when I normally spend time with the kids. So um, Sunday afternoon, I remembered, oh, after, after lunch, I remembered, I've got this manuscript, I might read it. 
okay, I'll give it a read. So I set up in the backyard in, in Sydney, Australia, which is where I lived at the time. And I started to read thinking, oh, I'll probably do my usual publisher, skim, skim read. You know, I'm a fast reader. I can do that really quickly. I did not skim read this book. This book um, almost took me over. It almost, can I say, dare I say, possessed me to the point that I was relishing every page and I did not stop until I reached the very last page in a single sitting. And at that very end, I just, something just in my heart said, this is going to be a bestseller when nobody else in the company up to that point or previously, as far as Paolo tells me, had ever had that vision. And when I mean a bestseller, I mean number one bestseller globally so did it yeah um paolo for a long time held the guinness book of records for the most books sold by a living author uh, ever in history of the world um in any language um 85 plus million copies it must be 86 87 million by now 70 different languages so Whatever whatever wisdom or knowledge that I had on that Sunday afternoon became a reality quite quickly, and he became quite popular very quickly. Uh, my colleagues, by the way, um, weren't sure. I did my very best to convince them. I mean, normally I would, what, I'd order 2,000 copies of a book like that in hardcover for Australia, first time, unknown author. Um, but I rang on the Monday morning, I rang my colleague in California and I said, look, um, I want 20,000 and I think we need to print 200,000 at minimum and let's forget hardcover, let's go straight to paperback because everybody's going to want this book. And he said, are you kidding? You know, are you, are you drunk? You know, you don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> normally be this, you know. This, I said, no, no, I'm not drunk, definitely not. Um, let's do it. And, and everybody eventually agreed with me. And then Paolo, so this is the really interesting, lovely ending to this story. Mm-hmm. Paolo heard about that conversation I had with, my, with the rest of my colleagues. And we invited him out to Australia, and he spoke in English at his very first um, Writers' Festival, which is in Adelaide, Australia. And the queue to, for people to sign, for him to sign a copy of, of the book that they just bought, went all the way around the block of the building outside the building there wasn't enough room in the building and we'd never seen anything as publishers like this and and Paolo of course never seen anything like this in his life and that was really the beginning of this phenomenon around the alchemist and we'll talk about why it's been such a popular book but anyway on the way home he he said look I really want to thank you Colm and I'd like to take you and your wife and the publicity manager out who's done such a fantastic job for a meal and we went out for this meal in Sydney. It was glorious. And we were just um, having a fabulous time. And normally it would be packed with, with um, senior management. So normally the managing director would have to be there. But Paolo wasn't, you know, a top drawer author at the time. He wasn't, he wasn't that known. It wasn't like, you know, he's the best-selling author that HarperCollins have ever had, which he is now. But um, we we had we sat there and he said, I want to give you you guys a gift. So he looked at my my colleague Naomi and he said, Look, here's a little here's a little box that I asked Christina, my wife, 
his wonderful wife, Christina, was there. Um, and I asked God what I should give you, and, and they said I should give you this. So she was very um, nervous. She opened the box, and there was this beautiful diamond dress ring not cheap it was it was something else and and she was in tears and we were all clapping because she deserved it she does she did a great job and uh, then he looked at me and um he said Colm I I asked God and um what I should what I should give you as well and I'm thinking yeah gold Rolex (laughs) (laughs) oh how shallow am I isn't that terrible um, but that just indicates the, my, the state of my soul at the time. It hadn't always been as bad as that, but it was, yeah, that was that was where I was at. So and he said, well, I did ask God, and he didn't pull a gold Rolex out of his pocket. What he said God told him to do was to spend a day of his time doing his alchemy magic on my behalf. Oh my, that's even more precious than a diamond ring. Yeah, and in my head, I was thinking, so I'm not going to get a gold Rolex then. Is that is that is that the deal? <laughs> so, so I I said, well, that's great, Paolo. And he said, yes. And then he just looked me in the eye. He's got this way. I'm, if any of you have met Paolo, you'll just know. And he just he gets this look and he looked me in the eye and he wasn't joking and he looked me in the eye and he said, so I have asked the universe to give you whatever you want in life. The only thing is you just need to decide what you want. And then it all went quiet and I'm thinking, well, right now, you know, the gold Rolex would be really cool, but that wasn't what he meant. And I remember driving home, and then he was off, and he had a plane to catch, so he had to go back to Brazil. Um, it was all over. It was like the, this magic evening. The spell was broken. I was back to, you know, ground level, back in the car, driving home late at night. And I said to my wife, well, what do you think of that then? I was really hoping for a cold Rolex. And she said, um, she said, well, it's not what I think, is it, Colin? She said, it's what you think about that that's going to matter. Well, immediately after that, there was a, I have to confess, and I'll just be honest about this, that when I met Paolo and during that period of time, I was feeling very discontent mm. with me. I was feeling discontent with me. I I had this gnawing feeling. I was being, I'd been quite successful. I'd done well in my publishing career, but I had this gnawing feeling that I just wasn't living the life that I was meant to live, that I wasn't really participating in life to the fullest that life really wanted me to participate in. And um, one of the things I really wanted to do was start my own business. I really felt I had a gift for that, that I could be good at that. But the fear, the fear of stepping forward out of my comfort zone at that middle-aged point. I was 40 years old at the time, um, and I, I was so nervous that I would wreck my family's financial position, that I would be a failure at it, that it was too great a risk and that it, I would just wreck everybody's lives and we'd, you know, we'd end up homeless or something. Um, I, it took me several years. But when I met Paolo, when I read the book, The Alchemist, 
something happened. That magic that he did for me, somehow I found a new boldness, a, a courage that I had. And I began to study the book. And in my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, I reveal all the things that I studied and discovered in, in Paolo's book. And believe you me, most of us, when we read it, we miss 90% of what's in that book. And I, But I was getting hungry. I wanted to know what is the, what is the secret in this book of the Argus. Why is it so popular? Why has it gone on to sell millions and millions of copies? I, something, <laughs> and I, whatever it is, I want it and I want it in my life. I want it in my life. Yeah. And um, so as I began to study it, I began to apply the principles of it. So the dream of Santiago, the shepherd boy, those of you that have read the fable, but the alchemist, by the way, is just a, a folk fable written you know original by by paolo but it's full of of lots of arguments within within uh, six months sorry yes six months. in fact could you kind of recap the story of the yeah. for those who may not have read it yeah sure sure um so this is very relevant to this point because it's all about having a dream there was a shepherd boy um in a time not really mentioned in as, as it is in folk fables. Um, he had his sheep and he went to sleep one night in an abandoned chapel in a field in um, Andalusia, which is in part of Spain. And in that uh, dream that he has, um, a child comes to him and tells him, Santiago, the boy, that he has this treasure that belongs to him that is buried near the pyramids in Egypt. And all he has to do is, is go to the pyramids and he will find the treasure. And the child leads him to where the treasure is buried. And just before he discovers where the, the treasure is buried, he wakes up. Mm. So he doesn't see where the treasure is. And this happens twice. And it so disturbs him, it so awakens a curiosity in him that he eventually he decides to make the trip. And he meets lots of interesting people, magic, some of them magical people along the way. But it, but if, I mean, I won't, I'm not spoiling anything for anybody here, because if you read my book, it spoils it for you anyway. Um, but I, I, just to say that the whole fable is a metaphor for what young, young, you know, Carl Jung would have called, um, you know, inner transformation, it's a it's a metaphor for finding the true self. It's overcoming the fears within ourselves. Um, it is about listening to our dreams, but it's also about having ambitions. We are so conditioned quite often when we read and, and talk about spirituality that it's almost having an ambition to be successful or to live to live well. Uh, in all the full meaning of, of wellness, uh, spiritually, in, in, in soul, and in body, and, and in mind, that that desire, according to the story of the alchemist, was actually is actually given to us by the universe. The universe wants us to live that life, and if we're not living that life, if we if we if we're not living what what to the alchemist calls your 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 true destiny or your personal legend. Those of you that have followed uh, Paolo Kahlo will know that he he coined that phrase 
you know, your personal legend. If you're not living your personal legend, then on the basis that we, we're only consciously, knowingly having one life than one we're in right now, this is the one we're conscious of, then we are missing out. It is passing us by, and there is only one person in the universe who can fix that, and that's us. So I made a choice. So I studied Santiago. I looked at the people who, who he came across, and we can talk a bit more about that, Christy, in a moment. But I made that choice. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to go after my heart's desire, and I, do, I am going to start my own business. So I resigned. <laughs> I resigned my position. I went out, and within two or three years, I ended up founding the largest digital advertising agency in Australia. We had 85 staff. We had we ran the 2000 Olympics online. We Toyota was a major client. I mean, there was a long list. And I remember going to the bathroom one day in the in the into the oh, it must have been in the second year and we were being so successful. And I just stared at myself in the mirror and I just asked myself that question that we should ask ourselves is, you know, how did you get to this point, what 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 were the stages? And as I looked in the mirror, I could pinpoint that evening with Paolo, yeah. and I thought, yes, there was a, a magic event did take place. It wasn't just mind over matter. It isn't as just that I've begun to think more positively that I can do stuff. Some, something else happened there, and. So I went back again to The Alchemist, and my book is the fruit of that. And what I discovered, shock, horror, I hope everybody, you're all sitting down, that there is a thing called alchemy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Paolo is a, a disciple of alchemy, if you want to call it that. You can't belong to alchemy. It's not a religion, by the way. I'm terribly sorry, everybody. There's nobody to give 10% of your income to. Um, that Nobody's going to tell you what to do. It's a very individualistic um, approach to life. But it was, a, it was a new metaphor for me at a time when I needed a new metaphor, when I tried old religious metaphors and I tried to put myself through various belief systems that, that didn't really deliver. And it made sense of the things that had happened in my spiritual journey before discovering Alchemist, and it certainly gave me a a much stronger framework to pursue after I'd read The Alchemist. And it all boils down to to just two things. Mm -hmm. So alchemy is about personal transformation, and it's about transforming to a place of true empowerment. And so I define what personal transformation is, I define what uh, true empowerment is, and how alchemy, the, even the ancient alchemists, had a formula which they hid and secretly in code and symbols. Some of you may have studied um, alchemy in that regard, and some, most of us have heard of the Philosopher's Stone, Most of us have heard of the elixir of life. Uh, Not many of us possibly have heard of the emerald tablet. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of of symbols 
and symbolism that the alchemists over the centuries, going back 5,000 years. And so we owe a debt of gratitude. Well, I certainly, and most of us owe a debt of gratitude to two people who have revealed that uh, process that the alchemists ran. One was Sir Isaac Newton. Mm -hmm. Sir Isaac Newton was an alchemist and he collected as many ancient manuscripts as he could, and they're now in a library in Cambridge University in, in England, if you ever want to go and visit those books. Love to. Uh, yeah, and the other guy was Professor Carl Jung, of course, who was also an avid student of alchemy and wrote on the subject um, at great length and based his psychoanalysis theories mostly on, on alchemy principles of transformation. What he discovered, and this has been one of, the, one of the pivot points for me, is that alchemy is all about, in the symbolism, transmuting lead in, into gold, transmuting which, something which is deemed to be ugly and of no precious value, into into something that is beautiful gold and which is extremely valuable and that is a metaphor for our weakest self our despised self which is the lead being transformed into our greatest treasure which is the gold and the alchemists went through the true alchemists of the of ancient times were the first to engage in inner transformation. And what they believed they were calling on, what they drew upon within the universe, within all of matter, is a thing called the, the prima materia. Yes. Which is that force that holds everything together, this chair I'm sitting on this body I'm in, the wall behind me, the air I breathe, you know, the stars outside, the trees, all of, all of those things contain the prima materia. And, and the, the big breakthrough discovery for me, and this is what sort of makes my book different from anything you've probably read about alchemy, is that that prima materia has a character. It has a personality. And that personality is unconditional love. Without knowing the power of unconditional love, there can be, in my experience, no transformation from lead into gold. I can't love my despised self, the, the, the self that I want to hide, that I that I put a mask up and, and try to live behind. So you won't, you won't see the weak me. I don't want you to see the weak me. Ironically, if I'm prepared to remove that mask, first of all, to myself, and make that inner journey and face that weaker me, that despised me, the, 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 the me that I hold no value to and, and, and I almost hate at times, if I'm prepared to allow love to embrace that me, then it will transform me, not into something else, but it will transform that weakness into something that is of real value to me and to, and to everybody else. And in my book, I, I tell the story of how from the age of 18, 
I actually committed to a life of, of transformation. And when I met Paolo, he he came in at a critical moment when I was probably about ready to give up. Mm. Give up in what way? I'd, I'd become self-satisfied. And Santiago, in the story of the alchemist, and by the way, in my book, I do three things. I keep telling you the story of the alchemist. So I'm constantly in the, in the story saying, okay, so I've now reached this point in my story. Let's go and back. Let's go and have a look at Santiago. Where is he up to? And and one of my favourite bits is he is he arrives in Africa and he loses everything in, within hours of landing ashore. He gets robbed. Yes, he's very naive. Yeah. He, so no sooner has he decided metaphorically to go down the road of transformation using the alchemy metaphor as as the route to take which is why it's all happening in north africa folks really? which is why he's on his way to the pyramids because guess what that's where alchemy started <laughs> in alexandria just up the road from the oh. pyramid oh yeah it's all it's all in my book i explained the whole thing Wonderful. so if you don't know this of course you can just read the alchemist and not even realize that that this is all going on. So I uncover all of this for you. So it's all right. You don't have to go and work it out for yourself. I've done it. I've done the hard work, guys. <laughs> and, um, so when he arrives, so he's stripped of his whole um, security um, and everything that, that, you know, how the world worked or how he understood the world. It's all gone in an instant. And that's what happened to me. Yes. So when I began, yeah, my transformation process, I discovered that that when I tried to love unconditionally, when I tried to be a loving, caring kind of person, stuff in within me would block that, yes. and fears would would arise to stop me moving forward and being courageous and ambitious, as I mentioned earlier. So I actually made a conscious decision to to go and visit my unconscious. Beware, guys. <laughs> I don't recommend you do it on your own. Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more guest speakers, mini-classes, polls. Plus, you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button, and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening.
Christy, you, you've got an, an organization there full of wonderful, lovely people who are loving and caring, who can help people through this journey I'm, I'm talking about, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. We okay, people them. listening, people listening, as they say, don't try this at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend you do it on your own because the unconscious the reason why we don't go into the conscious, it can be a pretty scary place. I mean, some of you know the story of Dante's Inferno and, and mm. so on. Well, it's that's all a metaphor for the unconscious. And and even Sigmund Freud and, and Carl Jung, of course, when they were dealing with their clients and patients, um, were uh, surprised. It was a complete shock what would come out of, out of the unconscious mind. So I decided that the only way forward for me was to go into the unconscious and do that. So I, mm. um, somebody recommended a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. Yes. And I was a great reader at the time of a guy called Thomas Merton, a, a, uh, a Catholic monk who uh, adopted Buddhism as well, practices of Buddhism. And he, he wrote a terrific book about the dark night of the soul. And I, um, I was surrounded at the time by people who could support me. I was quite young. Um, my family, I just had a very young family, and I'd been a very active uh, high school teacher. I resigned from that and decided to go on this transformational journey. And um, it was hell. It was probably the worst year of my life. Yes. And I, I wanted to stop it several times, but I decided to hang in there. And, and so that has a name in alchemy. It's called the black phase. So in the, in the, in the principles of the chemistry of alchemy and the symbolism of the laboratory, when they've got the lead in, in, the, in the crucible and they start applying the heat to it, it, it melts down into a really black, murky, horrible substance. And that's what I found in my unconscious. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I found some pretty ugly things. One of the things I did find was a very angry young boy, actually. Mm. So I found an inner child who had been abused. And um, not physically, fortunately. Um, I'm very blessed for that. And I... My heart goes out to anybody who was physically or sexually abused. Um, the, what I'm talking about today, you may you may find, would be of some some assistance. But um, I was the original Harry Potter. My mother had epilepsy, and it was undiagnosed. So whenever when I was a toddler, say 18 months, two years old, um, I only discovered this much later on in life when I was doing this work. And, and by the way, the alchemists call what I'm describing as the great work. And it is. It's, this is not a walk in the park by any means. Um, uh, I was a real Harry Potter. So she used to um, protect me. So she'd know a fit was coming on. And she, she to protect me, she'd lock me in the cupboard under the stairs. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Which on the one hand was good because, you know, all hell was breaking loose for her. Right. Um, but on but, the other, you had no idea what was going on or why no, you locked no, like No, I had no idea. How terrifying. Yeah, and I buried it, though, like we all mostly do. Right. It was, it was so traumatic that I separated from it. 
Mm-hmm. And then when, when the fit was over, fortunately, eventually she was diagnosed and, and she had medication and it was all sorted. But ironically, the damage was probably done for me. Yes. Uh, but she'd opened the cupboard when it was all over and she'd say, oh, there you are, hiding again. You know, it was like it was some game that I was. Mm. So I, I grew up very confused about what love looked like. Of course. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. But I had, so when I went into the dark night of the soul, when I went into the black phase of the alchemist, and I went into my unconscious, this is, this is the boy I found. Yes, of course. And he was pretty angry, let me tell you. He was, he was yeah. Scary. So that began to explain what would ha- was going on in, my, in the adult me. So when I would be under pressure in a certain way or things triggered, you know, we all know about triggers. When I was triggered in a certain way, this angry boy would rise up and I would despise him and and I hated the way I was when I was angry and so on and so on. And it was, it was, I was on a path of destruction with, in relationships and, and so forth. So I, I did have the enough self-awareness to decide I wanted to fix it. And um, I was also, so then the alchemists talk about when you've found the problem, you've, you've then got to go into what's called the white phase. So then they would add more chemicals and they would do more things with the crucible to keep the metaphor going here. And in the white phase, that's all about purifying the base matter. So you've got the base matter of who you are, which may be pretty black and ugly. So that's okay. That's fine. Don't don't shun it. Don't. It's important not to run away at this point. Right. You've got to hold on to that and embrace it. it it's your greatest asset. This is what we're going to make gold out of. Oh my. And then Santiago, if you remember, when he's got nothing, he wanders up the hill to a thing, a place called the Crystal Shop, where it's full in the window. There's all this dirty. All these glasses, you know, just just literally yeah. glasses of of, of, of uh, glass crystal, and he asks the, the owner if he can work for a day just to make some money to buy some food, and the owner said, "Oh, I'm not sure," but Santiago just starts cleaning the crystal. So those of you that have got you're, you're getting the metaphor. So absolutely, he's going into the white phase of the cleansing of of the self. When there's nothing else left, he has no choice. He has to cleanse what it is. And so he spends a year or nearly a year in the crystal shop and it gets, it becomes very prosperous. And of course, the irony here, and this is what I love about the metaphor of the alchemist, the original book, is that glass crystal contains lead. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Leaded glass, of course. I rest my case. (laughs) <laughs> surprise, surprise. So, so this is what I reveal in my book. Um, but the book's packed, packed with alchemy symbols, page after page after page. Right. And, um, and so I went through the same phase. I got involved in primal therapy, which is called rebirthing, the same thing that John Lennon did during the 70s. I was doing it in the UK. He went to Los Angeles. And, uh, and in the primal therapy, I was able to get in touch with that inner child, that angry inner child. And I was able to go back into my unconscious, go back in time. And I actually didn't even know they existed until I did that primal 
rebirthing work. So in the primal rebirthing work, I discovered my inner child and I was surrounded by people who helped me embrace the child, give him a voice, vent his anger at, and own. And I was able to own that child and allow that child then to direct me and guide me and become my new self. So what I often say to people, Christy, is that the column that you're looking at sitting here talking to you now is a result of me embracing that inner child. Yes. This was not what I was like before. This is this is the new me. It's the real me. <laughs> it's not a different me. It's the me I was meant to be. Yes. And that's what the universe wants for each of us. That's the precious gift that unconditional love can bring into our lives. And then, of course, it spills over to everybody's benefit. Mm -hmm. Then we become able, I mean, it's really hard to give from nothing. Yes. But if, you're, if you've allowed love to fill you with, with, with plenty, then you suddenly discover you've got a lot to offer and, and to give to other people. And that's been the story of my life. Since, yeah. since I went through that. So, so I'm, I did well. Um, I went on a successful career. and then went, But when I met Paolo, and this is the great thing, one of the things I love, one of my favourite episodes of the whole of the Alchemist story is when he reaches an oasis. He decides, by the way, folks, to leave the crystal shop and he's got some money in his pocket and he's dressed in white, hence the metaphor. He's now dressed in white. He's been through the white stage. And he heads off to the oasis. The oasis is the turning point. It's the fount of plenty. It's the fount of life. You know, it represents living water and, and so on. And this is the point where he almost gives up because he becomes content. Right. He actually meets a girl at the oasis. So lots of the bits of his life that he was were missing before, he's got some money. He's got somebody who he decides he thinks he loves. And he could just he could just stop now. Right. Why take another risk? He could do, and then out of the blue, guess what? Mm -hmm. This guy arrives on a horseback. He's dressed in black. He's got a sharp sword. He's got a hawk on his shoulder, and he calls himself the alchemist. And the alchemist comes and he says, Santiago, you've got a choice to make right here. You you could be content with what you've got. But guess what? Over the next few years, slowly and surely, you will become more and more discontent. You will become more and more disillusioned, more and more unhappy, and you will never know whether you really fulfilled your true destiny. Right. I, says the alchemist, can take you to where your treasure is, but you've got to make the decision whether you want to go there or not. And that was Paolo for me. Paolo came into my life at the exact moment where I was in danger of having, having done all that work, having done the dark night of the soul, having done all that primal work, having become quite contented. I was a fully rounded sort of human being now, thank goodness. People, people could put out with me, finally. Um, I, I made the decision and I... And I went out and my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, is a result and the work that I've been doing helping other people. So what 
the alchemist enabled Santiago to do was to become an alchemist himself. And at the very end of the book, um, they go off into the desert together and they get ambushed again, they get captured, and the chieftain of the, the tribe that captures them says that um, if you don't um, give us your gold, um, well, we're going to take your gold and we're going to kill you anyway. So this is the end, guys. You're dead. Um, and the alchemist turns to the chieftain and says, well, that's a pity because um, this young boy here, he's an alchemist. And he can turn himself into the wind if he wants to. And the chief goes, oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> okay, well, let's see him do it then. And if he doesn't do it, you're dead. And if, and if he doesn't even try to do it, you're dead anyway. So, you know, the only way that you're going to live now is if, if this boy becomes the wind. So I, I just have this vision of this little dark puddle of liquid appearing in the sand below. <laughs> he was absolutely terrified. I mean, the story is absolutely Yes. We need to reach that point, Christy, right. in our life. If we don't reach that point of terror on our journey of transformation, then we haven't lived to our fullest extent because that terror means that we're finally willing to face our real fears because that's where the terror comes from. And what was your moment of terror, Calm? My biggest moment of terror was that I would just be a downright failure. Mm. that I would, I wasn't up to mustard, that I didn't really have what it took, that my background, when you read my book, you'll see my background, the social economic background I came from was very, po very poor, post-war Britain. Most people in America particularly don't, don't realise how poor we were. Um, my family's house was bombed. We had nothing. Um, we lived with my, my grandparents for many years because we lost everything. And um, I grew up in post-war, but we were still had ration books mm. when, when I was born. We still, sure. you know, you need stamps in a book to get petrol or chocolate or sugar or fruit. Mm. Um, so that was the background. So within that environment, I I had no expectation of ever living what, what was called by my peer group, living above your station in life. You know, you stay in your box because yeah. it's safe. You won't embarrass yourself. You won't, you won't um, go out of, uh, out of your comfort zone that we all belong to together. So there's this, this right. tribal comfort zone that I was a part of. And I was terrified of stepping out of that, but I did. Big time. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah, like way out um and um so that that was the big terror for me but the original terror of course was facing the dragon my inner dragon that that the angry child who was my inner dragon and the irony is of course that if we don't face that inner dragon that dragon is going to burst into our adult existence and uninvited exactly. <laughs> on a regular basis yeah. absolutely breathe fire burn everything around us and then go sculling back to where he came from again. So if we don't if we don't face that inner dragon. So 
so I did, and um, in, in uh, Santiago's case, uh, he has to use everything that he's learned about alchemy up to that point. Right. And the alchemist, on his behalf, does something as well. So the alchemist uh, invokes on his behalf in the universe, just as Paolo did for me, even though I didn't really know, I had no idea until I studied this afterwards, that that's what Paolo did for me. An alchemist will invoke on your behalf that the universe will come to your aid and make what you want happen. And without wrecking the story, he does turn into the wind. He goes from being Santiago material to Santiago spiritual, mm. and he finally arrives at his treasure. And I'm not going to tell you the ending because that would be completely written the book for me. <laughs> that would be like me telling you, oh, have you seen that movie and tell you what the spoiling ending is? So I won't do that. I'll let you discover where he found the treasure, but you'll love it because it's a great ending. It is a beautiful book and it's full of rich imagery and allegory and it just touches your very soul when you read it. It is a lovely book. And then of course you write the spirit the secret of the alchemist as your personal journey. Yeah. Having to do with the same the same themes. And I can't help but notice if if uh, viewers are watching this on YouTube, of course, if you're listening on any other podcast app, you're going to miss this. But behind you, Colm, is yeah. the art for the cover of your book, The Secret of the yeah, Alchemist. There's, yeah, there's the book. Yeah, there's the, <laughs> that is the original. That is the original artwork. I must, I, I must get it framed. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I commissioned it. And so what is the symbology? What is the meaning behind that image? So. The stars represent the universe and everything in it. Um, here's the self, the divided self, the conscious and the unconscious. Here's the sycamore tree where um, Santiago has the dream. Here's the crystal house. Here's the cut glass. Here's the pyramids. Oh, and um, a, a beetle, a carob beetle yeah. figure. There's the moon. The this, is the, this is the sun itself. Here's the emerald tablet or the philosopher's stone, whichever you want it to be. And here is the hand that wrote all. Mm. The hand that wrote all is, in my understanding, unconditional love. Mm. Some people call it God. Some people call it spirit. Some people call it lots of different names. I, I like to think of it as in terms of its personality, which is love, because that really helps me to focus on what is the most important thing in life? So if if you want me to quickly define what true empowerment is, sure. in my understanding of true empowerment, it is the ability to love unconditionally. Mm. So when people are not loving us, when people do bad stuff, when we see bad stuff, when um, when our own dark darkness, our own shadow self comes to the fore, we need help, and that help is on hand in the form of unconditional love, and it's freely available. And all you've got to do is ask for unconditional love's assistance, whatever your faith, even if you have no faith. If you can just make that request, my experience is that 
all the power of the universe, as Paolo says, when you follow your dream, when you when you ask for help to, to live the best life that you can live, all the power of the universe conspires to help make that happen. Stuff will happen. My life, and this is no exaggeration, my life is just one omen, synchronicity, coincidence, call it whatever you will. I fall over them. And my wife and I have a standing joke, which is, you know, love's sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know it, Christy. You know what I'm talking about. I do. I know exactly what you're talking about, Colin. And I and I just start scratch my head and I just go I don't believe this I've got do you want me to tell you one Can I, I would love that okay. I love these personal stories okay I'll tell you one so you'll love this so not long after I uh, I was I was doing the final revisions on my book it took me three years to write by the way right I was working um, in marketing still doing some marketing at the same time but I was writing the book. And um, I reached the, it just dawned on me one day, and I thought, oh gosh, um, what's Paolo? What's Paolo going to say about my book? Um, by the way, I'm number one in Amazon hot, hot new releases for 20th century literary criticism. Oh, well, that's a lofty title column. <laughs> Good for you. Not not bad for a guy who failed his um, his high school English literature <laughs> first time around. Really good. <laughs> I, well, I was I was I was busy acting. I was I was on stage a lot, so I, I had no time to study. So oh, anyway, I had a good time. Didn't, didn't pass my English literature, but I I did go on and become a school teacher. So I guess I made up for it. It all came but, out in the wash. Yes. <laughs> so I I thought, oh no no no, what's Paolo? Oh dear. Oh, I know. I what write. I do, do I do I write? I mean, what am I supposed to do? Do I write to him? Do I? Oh gosh, do I tweet tweet him? Um, what do I do? And um, and I thought, no, no, just keep writing. It's okay. Just keep writing. It'll it'll unfold. It'll manifest itself. And so I, 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 it was a couple of hours later. I was writing, and my wife came to my my office door, and she said she was clearing out some old photographs, boxes of old family photos, trying to prune them down into albums, you know, what it's like you collect them over the years. Oh, absolutely. And um, so she came to my door and she was just laughing ahead of me. She said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but you'll never guess what I've just found in this box. And I said, no, what? She said, well, this white envelope. And she handed me the white envelope. And I said, what's in this? She said, open it, open it. So I opened it and I've got it on my desk. I keep it on my desk, the photograph that's inside. So this is a special treat to everybody. I don't normally tell everybody this. So oh, this is revealed on Christie's podcast world. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, show me, please. World exclusive. Oh, world exclusive. This was the restaurant. Oh, that's beautiful. In Sydney. Sydney is a beautiful place, by the way. Oh, yeah. This is the restaurant right here on the waterfront called the Waterfront. Yes. And this was a, a snapshot taken by one of those tourist photographers who goes around tourist areas taking photographs and hoping you'll all buy buy a copy. Oh, right, right, right. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Kayla. That is the fateful dinner. Younger me. 
my wife, oh, Paolo's wife, publicity manager, and our assistant publicity manager. Wow, that is a I gift. I forgotten that I even had that photograph. Wow. I had not opened that envelope for 27 years. Oh, Colin, that is so exciting. That's certainly a sign that he's giving his <laughs> so blessing. I, so I just broke down laughing. I was so funny. I said, you won't, I said to my wife, you won't believe what I've just been thinking. She said, well, I wondered, you know, what's Paola going to think? And she said, well, if that smiles anything to go by, I think... <laughs> I think he's going to think it's a pretty good thing, don't you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so two weeks ago, two weeks yeah. ago, I had um, my book was featured in um, the leading newspaper in, in England called The Daily Mail. Yes, The Daily Mail. I read it often. It's, if, you, if you Google Daily Mail, Column Holland, uh, Secret of the Alchemist, you'll see this article that they did on me. It's still online. And... Um, Within six hours of the article appearing, Paolo Kahlo posted it on his Facebook and on his Twitter posts. So thank you, Paolo. Oh, thank Bless you. you, Paolo. Thank you. Oh, my um, So. You're sending him a signed copy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, the first thing he asked was, is there an e-book? Because he, he was in lockdown and he wanted to read it like straight away. <laughs> oh, of oh of course and it's available on audiobook at this point and we're we're yeah. putting this the 29th of june 2020 so it's available in audiobook at this point and it fully releases the um the paperback and the ebook on uh the 30th of july 31st of july yeah yeah first first of august in the u.s um, you you can pre-order now. Please, if you're interested, please go and pre-order because um, that means that it becomes more visible to everybody else as well on on Amazon. It's Amazon's got this algorithm that if people pre-order your book, so I've got the ebook, the paperback, and an audio book. The audio book is available on Google Play and Apple. And um, if you're really desperate. And you can't wait till any of those things. I do have co promotional copies, which I'm happy to sign and put in the mail to you on my website, columnholland.com, on my website. Thank you, Christy, for the that advertising is. opportunity. Oh, absolutely. So, again, the book is The Secret of the Alchemist, uh, published by John Hunt Publishing uh, and their imprint, O Books. And uh, your website is columnholland, that's C O L M. Holland, like the country, and um, am I missing? Well, then there's also the website, thesecretofthealchemist.com. Yeah, that, that really doesn't go, it just goes to Colum Holland. You're better just typing in Colum Holland, yeah. ColumnHolland.com, yeah. wonderful, and you're available. And please join my, um, please go to my Facebook page because oh, wonderful. I, I'm blogging, as there's dozens and dozens of blogs on there uh, and on my website. Uh, we, I post a thought for the day every day. There's an encouraging message about love, and some of them have had over 2,000 likes um, in the last few, few weeks. Uh, um, so here's the thing, guys. The reason I wrote this book and the reason 
why I recommend you read the original Alchemist if you've not read it, and also my book, um, is that you can experience unconditional love in your life mm. in a transformative way if you're prepared to do the hard work, if you're prepared to allow love to change and embrace those things that you we stubbornly hold on to out of fear. Um, there is a there is a transformed life. There is a, a different dimension that I certainly discovered that I am so grateful to the universe and to love for for revealing to me in my life. And I just count my blessings every day. Um, and I'm so yeah. grateful. You certainly are very blessed, Colm, truly blessed to have had such an impactful career, to have made such an impact on the world with uh, promoting and publishing The Alchemist in English and doing your own transformational work. That's, that's truly a blessing. And I'm just so happy that the universe has put me in your path. So thank you so Likewise, much for joining me. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. So happy to have you. And we will put your website, your Facebook um, Facebook page, and all of those details in the show notes so that people can reach out to you and um, experience the secret of the alchemist for themselves. Right. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.